Hey, I'm Lynn Rogala. And I'm Allie Diliberto, and we are coming to you from the ladies' room. So we can talk about removing stupid, frustrating, and toxic shit from the world in a way that's not prim enough for the dinner table. Okay, welcome back to the ladies' room. Welcome to the ladies' room. Welcome to the ladies' room, where we always are. We always manage to do it. The last few weeks, it's been tough. It's really been impressive. I know. I moved last week. We recorded the day I moved, or the day after I moved. So you really pulled off a Herculean effort getting the podcast up. And now I'm going to resist touching. Like, as we were recording, I was like, resist touching every single thing because I just finished unpacking. So now I'm like, oh, I'm walking around my space. But I will say I'm probably going to make noise right now because that baby's crying outside the door. Oh, it didn't even make noise. But he's literally crying outside the door because like, how dare you shut me out? And how you dare you record the podcast without me? (laughs) And also, I still haven't moved home. And it turns out that the software that I got to edit the podcast on my iPad makes files that are too big for the website. So last week I had to rush over, actually two weeks ago, last week I did it leisurely. (laughs) I had to rush over to the house where nothing is hooked up and tether my phone to my computer and do the podcast from there. So we have been, (laughs) we've been baller. It's really what's been happening. I mean, as usual, just in a different way than always. Right. Um, I have to tell my story, which I'm going to try to tell the punchline. But no, don't. Yeah. And well, I'll set it up a little bit because John called me earlier and he called me from, he was getting you a surprise. I'm not going to say the punchline. He was getting you a surprise. Like he picked me up and then dropped me off at home from an errand. And then he was like, had that grin on his face. Like I got to go do something real fast. I was like, Oh no, he's doing a surprise. And I don't, this is probably bad. So he called me from his destination and he told me what it was and I was so excited. And then while <laughs> I was talking to him, you called and I said, well, Allie's calling me. He goes, oh, go talk to her. So I hung up with him. And then you said, oh, John's off on something as well. And you said, and I don't know what it is. And I was like, well, I might. Um, <laughs> and then I was teasing you, of course, to ask because of, for anybody who hasn't listened to the second Woo podcast, where we talk about how, or no, the first Woo podcast, where he bought you that proud African woman thing or <laughs> was going to. So I couldn't resist saying, well, just one thing, do you, re- do you prefer like an orange background background with green tribal, <laughs> but it was funny. a good thing. Not yeah. So tell me, he was so, so, so sweetly excited. And I loved that he called me because he just couldn't hold it in. He was one so more excited second. about it. Yeah. yeah. And he didn't want to ruin the surprise, but he's like, oh, I can let off the steam in Lynn's direction a little bit. Yes. So, okay. How? So I... So obviously we were married, you know, like a year and a half ago. And he was so excited because like a few days before the wedding, somebody who was coming to the wedding brought like his grandmother's wedding ring. So my mom gave me her mother's ring um, and I got his grandmother, who I never met, who was from Italy, her wedding ring, both as wedding gifts. But I love my my grandmother. My, my personal Italian grandma, her ring is like really big. And like, I, I, she wore it every day, but probably like I would only wear it for special occasions. 
But um, his grandmother's ring almost looks like there's little two lobster claws pulling up this perfect diamond. And like, I really liked it and it was more simple. And so I wore it, you know, like that's the ring he gave me when we got married and I wore it every day. And when we moved last year, he came home one day and I was just hysterically crying because the diamond fell out. And I should have had it checked, but it was COVID and like, you know, and I was, I noticed it while I was washing the dishes. So I was pretty sure it went down the drain and I had done everything I could. Right. And I knew like John is way more conservative about money than I am. So I knew both the financial cost of replacing the diamond would be really expensive in addition to like the sentimental value. And which can't be replaced. Can't be which replaced. is irreplaceable, but you right. could replace the diamond, and, mm-hmm. and I still had the setting, right? So, I mean, probably if I could have, I would have just done that and never told John, like, it would have been that big of a, like, it was really awful, and I was just in tears. So, we moved, and he stayed in the house, you know, like, where you, we you have now most, house in two places. We moved wait, most of our wait. stuff. We mo- you moved it, so you were in a house where you lost the diamond, and then just in the last week, you moved again. We moved again and we clear. moved a lot of our furniture here. So we still have, we sublet a few of the rooms in Montana. We have a place in both places right now. So we're, um, he's doing yoga. Cause we did like a hundred days of yoga and then we've just kept going. So he was like doing this 200 and something day of yoga on the empty living room floor. And he, which found... is so cute. Cause you weren't there with him. You're <laughs> still doing it. Super cute. He's been even better about it than I have, but he, um, he saw something sparkling in the sun and it was the diamond and he was super, super worried that like, it was like off somebody's like, like a gem from somebody's pants or something. And somehow it had been like underneath the couch and I didn't vacuum because there was just too much to do. Like all the stuff that I left like undone, like the, the million and one chance you would ever find a tiny diamond, you know, a year later, and more than a year later and he was so excited so like he came in he came back from the jewelry store so he had it appraised they you know told him like this is an old world cut from you know Lebanon or that area like you like you can't even get these anymore the exact same way and um which we knew like it was inherited and um he was just like so excited and he like I guess you had told him like he should put it in a little case because he had it in a plastic bag yeah, I that, <laughs> and so he, he called me. He called me so excited. He said, I didn't want to tell anyone until I had it appraised. And I said, Well, are you? and he told me the whole story you just told. And he, I said, Well, are you still at the jewelry store? Because at first he said, He asked me, Should I wait and get it reset? But how do I find that ring without being, you know, obvious? And I'm thinking <laughs> in my mind, There's no way you could pull that off, even with my help. But I also said, Don't, don't hold back any good news right now. Just tell her right away. But I suggested. <laughs> right if you're there, I said, if you're already there, you should get a little box and make a big deal. He goes, Oh yeah. Yeah. I have it in a plastic bag right now. I'm like, yeah, you're at the jewelry store. Go ahead and ask him for a fancy box. I'm sure they'll give it to you or sell it to you for $10 or something. So I'm glad he took my advice. I did tell you that I made it better. <laughs> you did make it better. So he pulls out this perfect little round, you know, thing and He's sitting, he sits on my mom's bed and I, he's kind of doing this thing where I'm like, not sure he's going to deal. And I'm like, oh God, I hope he didn't buy me jewelry. Like if he bought me a ring, I'm sure it's the wrong ring. I would never wear. It's going to be the worst. And also, we, you know, like, I was just like, oh no. 
And I thought it was a little thing of lip balm because it's like a perfect little round and cream. And I'm like, why are you so excitedly? I mean, it is doTERRA convention week. So maybe somebody gave him like a new potion with doTERRA that I haven't seen. Like, I'm literally like, true. what is this? And um, no, it was. And then he's telling me the story and he has tears in his eyes. And it was just like such a sweet like a little redemption and there's nothing better than like a redemption story. And, and they told him that it was, you know, like the diamond by itself was worth about $3,000, which he had no idea. And um, so that was just like, it was so, he was just loved it. Like such a sweet, beautiful moment. And like John gets this like hat, like this twinkle in his eye where like his whole body lights up when he's really, really happy. And you probably get like, you know, five or six of those in a year where it's like pure joy. And it was one of those moments and just lovely. Like we've been apart most of the last three months. Three at this months. Point. Yeah. And yeah. he just got here yesterday and it feels like it was just such a sweet, like shared moment that I was like, Oh, I love this so much. <laughs> and I'm glad he didn't wait. Number one, I don't yeah. know when would have been a better time than when you first got back together after being apart mm-hmm. for so many months. And number two, there is no way in the world he would have been able to keep that <laughs> secret and pull that off. There's no way. No, he was like jumping up and down. He found it three days ago and he somehow managed. And even out after the jewelry store, like he called somebody else who he'd asked to pray that we would find it. Like, you know, a year ago, I was like, guess what? Guess what? Like he was so excited and he was so afraid it was like uh, a bobble and I was like well if you had showed it to me I, I would have absolutely known it was a real diamond he's like how would you have known I'm like uh and the way they sparkle plastic <laughs> yeah and also right, or even glass like like plastic I wore it on my hand are, every day yeah and plastic rhinestones are painted on the bottom like they're mm-hmm. that's what makes them it, like if it was off a shirt it would be painted on the other side because he right. said he thought but maybe he it fell off someone's shirt yeah whatever yeah. but yeah he said how do I find that ring without giving it away I'm like hmm yeah, let's come up with a different plan because you will never pull that off in a million years. <laughs> so sweet. So. But it was cute because he was, he just, I mean, I would have known instantly also that it was a diamond. Um, but it's so cute that he did his little his little mission just and to I make love sure. That he found it and not me. And like, mm-hmm. I mean, it just was such a beautiful and like the odds of just that moment shining in the sun. Like I spent, I, I mean, hours and hours and hours in that room after the u-haul was packed up because i was that was where we staged everything else and well I, and he was i didn't see probably it. and i did yoga he was probably on twice oh i was gonna say he was probably on the floor and you weren't but no I it's such a lovely the sunshine and it's just so yeah. cool i just like oh i love it it's it's real life magic yeah and he, magic. i hadn't even remembered that you lost it and he said she didn't tell you and then he said it was over a year ago. I'm like, oh man, there's been so much that's happened in the last year <laughs> right. that this, it just got pushed off the queue. Like it just like losing decided. a diamond wasn't even like on right. the radar of bad things that happened last yeah. year. Yeah. Memory For overflow. Real. I'm sorry. I just couldn't <laughs> hold it anymore. I've been holding so much of the crisis, multiple crises that a diamond is like, man, that's just a, that's just a piece of coal. No, I don't point. even know when the last time I even thought of it. Well, so it was this, I mean, it was this whole new, beautiful moment. Like I just, it was so awesome. So it's really good. It is. It's such good news. Such a good, good story to start the podcast. And right. when this goes live, it's the first day of doTERRA convention, assuming that I can get this pulled off. 
let's let's you uh, will. put a pin You're very good because <laughs> uh, well I was thinking actually they're finally putting the tiles in at my house oh and nice like can I get to the room with the computer but then I remembered there's a there's a back way I can go that doesn't cross the tiled floor if I need to sneak around I can go through the backyard and <laughs> into the back door and and maybe we can to... use my amazing google fiber if we have to do something uh, we'll figure it no, out because <laughs> I just wanted to make you jealous you know I really <laughs> it's not the uploading it's a problem it's not the uploading it's a problem it's the it's the software for editing the one I found yeah. I could probably find another one. whatever who cares that is like less interesting even than when we talked it's about the weather. It's going to be convention. So That's I really exciting. feel like it's, so I have to say like, I mean, it's years and years, I mean, of going to doTERRA convention, my kind of doTERRA journey started with oils, but my, my journey around the, like thinking about business differently and all that stuff, it really started with somebody inviting me to convention. And I think um, it's this weird twist in in like reality, because I, we travel here. I've traveled here every year, except for during COVID during convention, I would have come from another continent. Like this has been like a major event in a lot of our lives. And a lot of my friends, if my mom comes every year, we've had family and people we do business with. Sometimes this is the only time of year we see each other physically. And it was so interesting because now I live a half like a a half a mile from where convention is at the Vivint Arena in Salt Lake. And so I walked like one morning I woke up and like the, you know, all the doTERRA signage was up. And then the next morning, like they were putting all this other stuff. And like, it was kind of, it's kind of this delicious little treat that, I mean, I spent thousands of dollars coming to convention every year. And now I'm like, oh, I think I'll like maybe watch some of it, my TV. And then maybe I'll walk down to you know look at the marketplace and like if I feel like it it's so like it's like candy in a way I can't even describe like how do you explain the convention experience when you're well you've never been to anything I I have like nerdy perfect way I have a perfect way to explain it and also to give context a half a mile away from the center is nothing you we've stayed farther away we've traveled from another state and stayed farther than a half a mile away. I've stayed in a hotel that was considered close in that was farther away than a half a mile away. <laughs> that I still so had to take tracks into. And right. I paid four or $500 a night to stay places that were, I mean, because Salt Lake is not a huge, it's not like a convention town. And we've had 30, 40,000 people at convention. And this year it'll be like a quarter of that. It sounds like a third. A less than, they said less than 8,000 people are allowed. Um, which I think is the size of my very first convention, like seven where they years had it at ago. a hotel or something. Five, six. Yeah. So no, it was at the Salt Palace still, but I mean, they didn't have multiple venues running it multiple times. And it is, it's fascinating. It's, it's like kind of delicious to be here. Like I just finished unpacking convention starts tomorrow, but also it's really says a lot about how much has changed with COVID. Cause my mom didn't get a virtual, she got a virtual ticket instead of an in-person ticket. And like, there's really this feeling of like, I don't know, even though I'm a half a mile away, I might be happier on my couch. And then maybe I'll go to part of it. Like that is really interesting. Yeah. And I'm not there. I, I've gone I have, every year, except for last year when they had it only virtually. And then yeah. this year I didn't even consider going. And my other best friend reasons. has like six people in a cabin in Colorado watching it. Like it's not the, it's really starting to become. And what's interesting is like, we were starting to outgrow being even able to accomplish pulling it off in Salt Lake. And then COVID happened and everything is being reimagined. It's so interesting. 
It is interesting because last year they were, so they used to have an on-demand experience. I don't know if you remember, and it was kind of spotty sometimes or a stream at home where you could buy it afterwards a recording. And they never told, like a lot of times they wouldn't even tell you if they were going to stream it or not. So like, and a lot of times, like there's with the FDA and all these different things, like a lot of times the only way to get some of the information that they were disseminating was at the event. So you, right. and you might not know like that they were going to stream until a couple, we bought tickets year, a year in advance and like hotels, nine or 10 Airbnbs. Like it was really, we've had giant parties with, you know, 80 people for my team that we've, and this was, so this was really like a huge event in our lives. But I also feel like there's nothing else in my life that I've ever done. That's very similar to a convention kind of experience. Have you? Yes. <laughs> but I've okay, done, good. I've what is it like? So this isn't the experience I'm talking about, but I always tell people it's like summer camp plus yes. shopping. Summer <laughs> camp plus shopping for exclusive things because all the new and products also come like out too. Some, some special things for nerds because the science and all that stuff like is very well delivered and some business. Not a lot of business is mixed in, but like maybe. I mean, I can remember a lot of the keynote speakers over the years, just really inspiring stories and, you know, things like that. I can't even tell the story of the one keynote speaker we had, the guy that was a yoga instructor who lost his legs in, um, in the, in the military. I can't tell that story without crying. I, that story is so beautiful and so moving. And he was such a compelling speaker Um, that was just an amazing experience. Um, The closest thing I've ever been to, which isn't quite this, certainly not anywhere near the grand scale was um, there used to be a piece of software that I was trained to give classes on. And anytime they had an update or they had these frequent train the trainer events. So everyone that was certified to train would fly someplace. Um, And that, so we would see each other a couple times a year, you know, all these I've been to big dental conferences with my mom when I was a kid. And I mean, some, I've been to big, huge, like trainings and things like that, but how it says, but I've been quite the same. I've been to software conferences during the dot-com boom. One was at Disney World. I went to one that was literally at Disney World. We stayed at the, um, what's the big one that has the monorail goes right through it, whatever that hotel is, we stayed there. That's where it was. I was at another one where Yahoo had an open martini bar, um, like just <laughs> crazy, like software convention, software conferences in during the dot-com boom were like, and here's your backpack and here's your sack of money to spend on alcohol. I mean, it was basically <laughs> the same because it was just so much free food right. and booze and like literally so we were at Disneyland or Disney World in Florida and we got there a day early and so we went to Disney and then um, they took us to Universal as one of our excursions and they closed the park and it was just us at the <laughs> Universal Park. Um, and they would yeah, have keynote speakers bananas. like we had Kevin Nealon one year, Dennis Miller, like the Saturday Night Live guys mm-hmm. came and spoke. I have no idea who those guys are. The Saturday Night Live guys. <laughs> um, Beaver. But uh, Beaver. But I know it was, it's Saturday it's, it's not it's not the same feeling but it was a little bit because I would I had friends because of the trainings and stuff that I did and so we would meet at those software conferences like oh hey how are you so it, it's yeah. very similar to that like a summer camp feel where when you go to convention it is kind of like a summer camp feel except I was thinking of just the sheer volume of numbers but summer camp or like youth youth retreats and I was a youth you know, youth leader, like those kinds of, it is kind of that euphoria of like how fun it is to be away 
like out of your normal routine and but the size seeing, of it is pretty unparalleled but except and what seeing you your friends exactly right and seeing your friends that you see at summer camp every year your camp friends that's the only time you ever see them, see them um yeah. and yeah and I mean a couple of years ago they had Hugh Jackman as their keynote speaker I mean the keynote speakers are but pretty, it was like a secret good. this is a good yeah, it was time for us to nerd out about that Hugh Jackman but we'll no we already that. talked about it last time um but and this year they're having um I can't remember her name but she's the founder of Spanx um I don't even so, know I didn't know that was happening. I basically yeah. like had been in a hole and I kind of knew convention was on its way, but like, I've been so focused on, I mean, Peggy had surgery on Tuesday. That was yesterday. I mean, it feels like a week ago now, but like, so right. it is kind of insane to be, to be free to like, you know, have extra care and be able to have something I love so much. And it's really, but it is really interesting to think about, like, I don't know in the future, if I'll ever go to convention the same way again, like I wouldn't have flown here this year because of all the concerns and planning about COVID and all that stuff. And I have certainly someone like, even though we're vaccinated, like somebody vulnerable in my care, my mom, you know, is getting ready to go to Chile. So we kind of found ourselves like not really sure that it was worth the risk, like, you know, six months ago for sure. And then most of my community has opted out of extra travel for anything not required right and we we started talking we started talking around this a minute ago and we alluded to it last week you were starting to say that they were starting to outgrow so we filled up the Vivint arena and the last couple of years we've had to overflow where they would have like an a b track where there was morning and then afternoon in a second in order to fit all the people and they were already overflowing the hotels and a couple of years ago, people were staying at hotels like 20 miles or 20 minutes away. Um, and they were really oh, I'm staying to... further away than that. Yeah. Well, but not inside the doTERRA block of hotels, like doTERRA oh, no, block true. of hotels. Yeah. And right. they've never been outside. Right, right. Those distance. are usually closer, you know, yeah, even if it's tracks. a long, yeah, yeah. A long walk. But, um, there was a lot of internal debate because there's plenty of conference venues that can easily host hundreds of thousands of people in Vegas, for example. But I, I just feel like the heart and soul of doTERRA plus one of the things they do is tour the facilities. So moving Which it is mind blowing. Yeah, right. That was one moving of John's in, best experiences of doTERRA was touring doTERRA. He yeah. was like, I had no idea how big they are. You're like, yeah. So moving it out of Salt Lake would kind of cut into the heart of it, but they were really starting to be between a rock and a hard place. And then here comes COVID. And it's just like what we said last podcast where we said um, Zoom scaled from like 10 million daily meeting attendees to 200 million in less than six months. Um, And COVID forced that. And um, Bethel was talking about this where I just went to School of the Prophets um, about a year and a half ago, right when we first went, it's a year and a half almost (laughs) when we first went into lockdown, um, they were they were right on the cusp. They had been developing for a long time, a good online experience for not just their conferences, but they have a school there too, a school of supernatural ministries. And they have a couple other technical schools and they were developing this ability to offer it online as a good experience, not just, oh, we'll put a camera in the back of the room and you can watch it on Zoom, like as a real full integrated experience. And so COVID just accelerated them a couple months, but they were ready because they'd already been preparing it. And last year, doTERRA was forced um, by the situation of COVID to have a virtual experience. And it was okay. It wasn't great. No, I will say it was 
in my opinion, the worst convention they've ever had because they were able to expand it so much. Like a lot of people who wouldn't have traveled for, for convention, like could just get a, you know, a relatively inexpensive ticket and just pop online. And I mean, I'm sure the, it still costs the money. They mailed out these beautiful kits to everybody who came and like, yeah, but the they lost who their audience was. And I was like, you're not speaking. They were literally, a lot of the content was directed to like new oil users, which isn't our typical convention like, person who's going to convention. Like you're at least kind of obsessed with oils if you're going to convention and the company. And even if you're not doing doTERRA as a business. But I was talking about the actual experience of a virtual event. So take away the content. Like it was okay, but you could tell it was rushed. And then leadership in March was a little bit better. And I'm interested to see what they do because now they've had a chance to build a hybrid experience that should be in you and I have talked a ton on here about Landmark. And it was so interesting to me the way that, that Landmark handled COVID because they have a flagship product, which is called the forum. And it's kind of the door in like, you have to do the forum before you can do anything else. And then once you're a graduate of the forum, you can do any of the other courses. I mean, some have prerequisites, but it opens up the door and then you're a graduate and you're expected to kind of like in the forum, you're kind of receiving the training, but anything else you're kind of expected to help generate it yourself. Like you become more of a co-creator than a participant. So the way they did, um, the way they did COVID online, first of all, they only offer stuff online because people were like, please, please, please. We want you to help us in this. Like, please give us something to do with Landmark to help us cope with this. Like the graduates were banging on their door. So they opened a few things up only to senior graduates. And then they started say, okay, we're going to offer this, but we're going to only offer it to reviewers. We're going to offer this, but we're going to only offer it to people who have done at least three seminars like that. They were just really careful. And then when they finally rolled out the forum, which is their flagship product, I have had friends go through it and it it is every bit the product that it is when it's in person. And that is saying something because it is really like we doubted it could even happen. And John did the forum online and I was really glad I wasn't around the house that weekend because it was his experience was a little kicking and screaming and great at the end. But I was like, really glad I'm in Missoula this weekend. And then well, that's um, the forum. <laughs> when your friend did it, yeah. you um, like you were telling me about it all weekend. And that well, our friend, but I mean, mm-hmm. you pay you paid for her to go and like you were really her like stand for that. And it wasn't until you said like she was eating nachos on Sunday afternoon. I was like oh my gosh, she's at home. Like I forgot that it wasn't an in-person event. That is how completely they recreated it. But I haven't seen anyone else do, do that except, and even other landmark things that we've done online haven't been that good. So my, um, my experience last year of doing school of the profits online was good. And now having done it in person, I would say there's a little bit that's different because obviously you can't have lunch with the people in your small group. Like, what can you really do about that? Um, I mean, you can have breakout rooms, but that's just, it's just not the same, right? Like, hey, let's have lunch and get to know some people. But other than that, like even the prophecies that we're giving each other over Zoom, it was every bit as good. So this idea that we kind of got a crash course in how to scale movements, like we as a um, humanity got a crack okay but i wanna i wanna say that i don't there's still something missing when we don't gather and i think 
that we haven't figured out the hybrid and that, that we have to, to scale movements because Agreed. like, like, it's like church. Like I'm way less, like I basically consider myself, I mean, a membership, but like, I consider myself part of a virtual church. Like the church isn't virtual, but they stream everything. And like, you know, like I consider myself part of that. And then I have a church community that's kind of, you know, a hodgepodge of people who I share faith with, but I don't, I'm not really that interested in like going in person. I mean, I've popped into a few, like there's so much, it's like, I don't want to see worse content in person when I go to something. And for yeah. church, for sure, church is usually that let's be real, but also so, there's this, okay, go ahead. I was going to say, this is just my opinion, but last year was about figuring out how to still gather when we can't get together that we needed that. I mean, I attended birthday parties and baptisms and church and everything because there was no other option. I think right. now the next thing is to figure out the hybrid experience, like what Sherry is doing where she's gathering someplace that's not home with like six people. Um, and they're, they're streaming conventions. So they're streaming the content virtually, but they're together. And you and I have talked about starting up a small group, the church that we consider ourselves attendees of in, in Montana We've talked about starting like a small group where, and I think you and I are a perfect example of how you can live life together without living in the same state. Um, Yeah. I mean, part of why I'm entertained by watching convention at home some of the time is like, I might want to, you know, call you up and talk about the next speaker on the phone when the next, the one after it isn't very good. And like the one before it was like a lot of things we do in person, like let's go to the bathroom together. Like let's go out in the hall or like passing notes or t- like we we can do that more at home than we can you know if I'm there in person and whatever but it is really interesting to be able to share those experiences but I hope that we don't stop here like I hope next year doTERRA doesn't go okay let's go back to virtual like let's go back to mostly only in person and trying to push everybody to travel because I would love to see a hybrid where they do some of the things that they would do um regionally like they could like one of the big things about convention like I walked my you know actually John dropped me off let's be real but I could have walked it was like 100 degrees out but I could have walked the you know three quarters of a mile over to the salt palace to pick up my like doTERRA swag and my backpack and stuff like that and if they would create like some local events like that like a regional where like yeah I could just like be here and like go I would love that I would really prefer that then we go back to trying to get everybody to Salt Lake. Yeah, I think they're going to, I think they're going to be forced to do that because the convention had already outgrown Salt Lake. The last time I went in person, it was tight. Um, it was very But tight. I think they, it would take years before everybody was back in person. So I think they, they would have bought a few years of like, also doTERRA is at a pivot point. You know, so I don't think all the same people would be coming. And I don't know, I think it would take them a couple, a couple of years to outgrow Salt Lake again. But you're, but COVID is in your mix. So without yeah. COVID, without COVID. No, no, would, I agree with you. Right. So I feel like COVID kind of forced them to deal with the fact that, to come up with the solution that will also solve the problem that they outgrew Salt Lake. And um, you love to go to Global Leadership Summit. And I would say that's a pretty good hybrid experience because you go sure. to a local church or something like that. And then, and half those speakers are recorded anyway. So and even they if didn't you're at the used home to church, offer it online before COVID, you had to go to home church to watch it. Mm-hmm. 
yeah so i think we're going to figure that out as a as a society where because we went from where in person was basically the only experience for most things and right. then during covid online was the only experience for most things we were forced to do that and i think now we're going to find a way where those are both just tools and modalities that when you create an event you mix them together like a recipe um, right and figure out you know a little bit of a little bit of vivant and a little bit of regional and a little bit of streaming um, and I think they'll figure that out, but, I, and not just Oterra, but everybody, like, I think I'm shocked how well Landmark has figured out how to deliver the forum as an online experience. And I wonder if they will move to a hybrid where you can choose to either go in person or be virtual. I think they'll probably keep, I think they'll probably keep, like they'll eventually have virtual and because there's they're smaller gatherings, right? So I don't think they'll get rid of the virtual forum now. And also I will say like the structure that goes into a forum um, from the support perspective is like 10 times what a normal event that anybody mm -hmm. goes to has. And so that showed up in that space and they've been doing the wisdom course online for I think four or five years, like experimenting. So they right. had some community in their leadership pool who's been doing some things online really well to to kind of borrow from. Yeah, and the community, like you said, there's so much that goes into creating an in-person forum that everyone that works with Landmark, even as a volunteer, what they call assisting, is already trained in like impeccability and excellence and over-delivering and all those things. Right. So I think it was easier for them to translate it to online. Like how do we, I mean, when you and I took the genius training, um, that was offered all online and it was a good experience and they had some technical problems, which I was frankly quite annoyed by because after a year and a half of COVID, you should know how to use fucking zoom breakout rooms. <laughs> like, also, this there was only be... 30 people, right? Like it should have been yeah. a more high touch experience online than mm -hmm. it was in my opinion. Right. So, um, we were going to talk about woo on this podcast, but we've talked a lot about, should we just start to talk about the business of, because I think, um, no, yeah, I want to talk about, I, well, go ahead. I was going to say for you and I, doTERRA has been um, like a playground for what we're yes. playing with of creating whatever is next for business. And we have hinted on that at, at, on this podcast a million times and then crisis after crisis and silly after silly and, you know, right. geeking about Hugh Jackman for half an hour or whatever, um, has overcome it, but really like we're very serious people here in the ladies room um, <laughs> <laughs> out to create something. And doTERRA is kind of the, the model that we're examining, not by any means perfect, but and not the only model, right? We were just talking right. about Hollywood last week. Fascinating. Um, but so I think if we start too much into doTERRA, we're going to like go down a whole rabbit hole. And I want to say, I want to, that like, it's just too, too big of a bite, but I want to say that, can you just, well, I want to ask you, I want to say, can you tell the story, but will you share a little <laughs> bit about like, cause I think people, I know whenever I hear the idea of convention, a convention like this network marketing, I always think about, um, like some like rich, a new car. white guy, like mm -hmm. you know, all this puffed up stuff. And I think if you just share about that, I mean, we both could go on and on about it, but if you share a little bit about that, um, that'll just be a good framework that kind of shares the culture of the 
of the company and, right. and a little bit how it's different. And then next week, we'll probably have like 50 million things to talk about. But one of the things I love about going to events with you is that our genius has worked together in this way that's so fun. But you have always been able to put your finger on what's happening around things like socially and in companies. I mean, even in Bethel, like when you're at School of the Prophets, you're like, they're trying to mainstream stuff and take it like they they're just barely getting their hands around where they're going. And you're like, you can step back and like see this huge perspective. And that's one of the things that's been happening as you know, we've talked a lot about in doTERRA's like that they're in this pivot point. And so I know you'll glean like 50 really great things that are about business and society and all these different things. And then I get to just go like, let's galvanize these ones. Yeah. And last year it was the one big one. Um, yeah. But that alone was, every, I think that might've been one of the only things I watched of last year's convention. I'm like, I'm done. Um, but uh, <laughs> I will say I did my taxes while I watched last year's convention and <laughs> I did consume it all. I mean, I am a doTERRA leader. So I do feel, I felt like I did it out of obligation, which is not how my experience with doTERRA had ever been before. Right. Yeah. Usually it's like, give me more, give me candy more, give me more. Yeah. Yeah. I think I did watch some more of it. I just can't even remember. Um, but not as, you know, much, but as we I all had so do. much zoom fatigue and it was like such a let, it was like a letdown. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, but tell a little bit about convention. Like, like tell, like use convention to describe, you know, the company and where companies I think have to go in general. So the story I always tell people when they ask me why I choose doTERRA is um, a story from convention from a couple years ago. And I think I've already told it on this podcast, but I can't remember. And it doesn't matter because I feel like that one story really points to the heart of the company. And also, by the way, there are seven founders of the company, but only one person really gave birth to it. And that's Emily Wright. And I think the fact that the company was birthed by a woman makes all the difference in the world. Like she's, I mean, not she's the been the heart of the company. And I think the whole leadership has rallied around that around her, around her, and, right. They and follow her. her and yeah, mm-hmm. she's the visionary. So um, like you said, when you think about most of these MLM conventions, you're thinking, okay, about, I'm really like, sorry, but like, I have this image in my head. I'm like, doTERRA has six daddies and one mommy. Like, I'm really sorry, but that was just in my head. Like it really mm-hmm. is like all these men. That's not even true. There's a parent. Yeah. No, that's not even true. Cause there's mom and dad. Because remember it's when we true. had, it's true. We when we had, we called this, yeah, with David Sterling is the dad. And that's true too, because he and Emily kind of cooked it up between the two of them and then invited everyone yes. else in. And they brought but their people in. Yeah. When we first got smacked down by the FDA, they said, we have, we're having a meeting. They didn't give us any notice. I was with you in Colorado when this happened. I remember we took the kids to the pool at the hotel where we were staying and, yeah. um, and there there was an email that said, we're going to have a meeting with David, Emily, and um, now his name is slipping my mind. Who's the attorney? Oh, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just I having a brain fart. Me too. Now that you said that, I'm like, ah, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so we got that email and I read it through and you said, well, maybe it's something good. I'm like, it's mom, dad, and the lawyer. It's not going to be good. It's not. <laughs> and it wasn't, uh, you know, the, the attorney was there. I can see his face. I just can't think of his name, which is awful. Um, he was telling what was actually Corey. happening. 
Corey, Corey Lindley, yeah. Corey Lindley. And then, yeah. And then um, David was there to be reassuring and Emily was there to be like, it's going to be okay, you guys, right? Like that's why <laughs> mom, dad, and the lawyer, this is not going to be good. But anyway, yeah. you, so when you think of an MLM convention, you picture them pulling somebody on stage and saying, like, this is the highest grossing person this year. Yay. We'll give them a car. You know, we'll give her a necklace like, and, and just like rallying around the money. Right. Um, and that is never present. In fact, they used to give, do they still give that award? They used to give some kind of like special person award. Um, impact. And the, yeah, the impact award. And they were always very reluctant to give it to anybody that was above the rank of diamond. Um, because right, they because didn't they it. really want to highlight not even when money is highlighted it's about I mean they have a whole campaign called free to give and they have a vision for being the company that gets the most people out of debt and they train at leadership and conferences about getting out of debt and financial pr- principles that the company practices right yes. the company's debt free I mean it's debt unbelievable free. to yeah. have a company that you know is worth billions and you know I think now they're 14 years old but they you know, they've been debt-free and always operated with very little debt, even when they were building their giant campuses and all this stuff. It really is a remarkable, but that's what they promote. Like yeah, the good that people are doing with the resources that they have. And at the higher level events I've been at, um, like with just all diamonds and blues and presidentials, like there's a lot of conversation about um, how to foster wealth and how to invest, um, not in like how to invest in the world, like how to invest in getting something mm-hmm. done. And most, I mean, we know most people when they get, I mean, when you go from making, you know, almost nothing or even having a decent living and tripling, like when people win the lottery, they go right back yeah. to being in debt. I mean, yeah, because, they don't. And so it's amazing to do something different with that creation of wealth. Yeah. And they gave us all that book about the wealth principles. I can't remember the prosperity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, They gave it all. So that's what people picture when they picture, you know, like a lot of razzmatazz and doTERRA is mostly science on stage. They think of slick. Yeah. They think slick. And I would say the production values are good. I remember one year they had that like slimy um, slick, like, right. The guy with the giant Rolex, like, yeah, there's none of that. There's none of that. And I remember, I mean, they, they go for excellence. Um, There was either a trio or a quartet of guys who sang some pieces from Les Mis. And I remember taking a video and sending it to my dad because it was one of his favorite songs from Les Mis and just being jaw on the floor, how excellent the singers were, you know, they get high quality entertainment and everything, but none of it is the razzle dazzle. And they talk a lot about science and then they do talk about the business, but it's more like a, it's more like a, like a quarterly shareholder meeting you know, like here's right, where like vision this. casting and mm-hmm. they, but not much like that mostly happens at leadership. Like there's not, a, it's like we sold 70 million bottles of this or that, like, here's the, they do a lot more about healing hands and what it's doing, which is, you know, and the yeah. impact projects and the business side. I mean, there's a business side of a nonprofit, right? If you're, if you're, I mean, if you, you look at it and it's run well, that's how it should be. So they talk about those kinds of things, but I don't think they talk like you would never go to a doTERRA event and think like, I'm going to learn how to do this as a business. Even when they've had business events, they always hold them like the next day or right. around it. No, but I mean, they talk about their business as a corporation. For example, oh, here's yes. the new 
like a quarterly shareholder meeting. This is the two places right. we're going to open offices next year. We right. project Shipping will change like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, the story I always tell people, and I'll see if I can tell it without crying because it moves me on so many different levels. I'm just in awe of what they're promoting is um, the pink pepper story. So mm, yeah. we have an oil that is freaking amazing. It's called pink pepper. Um, and it is the oil of, of true equality. I don't know if you knew that. No, um, I didn't. I love yeah. that even more. And I think, I always think of it as a very feminine oil. And this isn't even the story, but I have to throw this in because Emily was, when we got pink pepper, Emily was the one who talked about it. And do you remember the stinky thing she did when she was talking about pink pepper? No, of course not. <laughs> this is so great. So she's talking about all the health benefits of pink pepper. And we have to be very circumspect. In fact, doTERRA is so far behind that line um, because they just do everything with so much integrity. But if you looked very closely at her slide, she had a super faint, almost transparent pink ribbon on the back of her slide. Um, oh, yeah, and- I do remember that. <laughs> because that. It's so good for <laughs> breast health. Yeah. So um, I love that. But uh, pink pepper is harvested, um, mostly wild harvested, right? Do they cultivate it at all? I it have grows no in idea. These trees and it grows naturally, like yeah. so much abundance of it. Just, yeah, totally. And so um, they told a story of a woman who she lived. Do you remember where in Africa? I can't remember. It's somewhere in Africa. I feel like it's Kenya. I feel like pink pepper. Comes okay. From that Kenya. sounds right. That sounds right. But um, they told a story. So she was married and had, I don't know, four kids, five kids. Six I can't remember. Kids. She and her, was I it think. six? I think um, she had six kids. And her husband had a job that is pretty typical for that area where his job not only provided income, but it provided housing allowance, a schooling allowance, basically his income, his job provided for everything for the family, even not just their income, but their house and everything. And then he was killed in an accident. So they lost not only their income, but they lost their home and the kids couldn't go to school and all these different things. So the, the wife, the mother started, um, she started making rope and selling the ropes and people would buy them mostly out of pity. You know, they're, they're right. not really worth anything. Um, and then eventually she was selling them, you know, at truck stops and stuff. And the truckers were like, well, I won't buy the rope from you, um, but I will buy something else. And so she ended up needing to be trafficked to support her family. Um, and so they talked about this guy who would walk around and find these women and tell them, I'll teach you how to um, harvest pink pepper. And so he found her and he said, you know, I'll teach you how to harvest pink pepper. You can do it one day. If you don't want to come back, you don't have to come back. He loaned her some money for school fees. He like advanced her all this money. And then they had, they had her inter- They weren't just telling the story. They were like, we were watching videos where they were interviewing the people. And yeah. she said, yeah, now I make whatever it was four times as much as I did with the ropes. My kids are all in school. You know, I have the, my dignity. It's just basically this guy saved her life. And that was beautiful enough. And then they <laughs> I know I'm almost him. in tears. Yeah, I know. Then they brought him on stage. So they flew him from Africa, Africa. Kenya, I guess, to convention and brought him on stage to honor him. That's the kind of person, not the Rolex guy, not the one who wins the cars. Doterra doesn't do that kind of stuff anyway. It's all cash. Right. And they brought him on and he got a standing ovation. Everyone was bawling. Yeah. And he's he's not the kind of person that gets on a stage he had um he walked with a, a limp he had mm-hmm. like a cane or a crutch or something and it, I think if I remember he had 
like something with his eyes too. I can't remember, but he was not a person that the world would even notice. You know, you would drive by him and just not, but he's a hero. He's out there rescuing these women from sex trafficking, giving them livelihood and dignity. And, and then doTERRA chooses to honor him, not just tell his story, but bring him on so we could hear it from his own mouth. And so that we could, you know, applaud for him and, and, and also it's an unbelievably humbling, right? Like, yeah, especially in American culture to have North American culture to have like, um, heroism reframed like that. I mean, it brings you like, even now, was that two or three, I mean, it was two or three years ago we got, yeah, it was like, I, you telling the story, I was seeing that guy on the stage and I was moved emotionally in the last couple of years the last year during COVID, like I really wrestled, like, I don't know, like I'm very clear a hundred percent on what my work is in the world. Like my overall work in the world with five, five billion entrepreneurs project, like, um, what I want to be part of architecting. And I've really wrestled, like, do I want to be part of causing doTERRA in the future? Like, does it matter enough? And when I think about what matters to me, it's that pink pepper. Like, I'm like, I don't really care I'm I can make money I could give my leadership anywhere and thank god doTERRA's given me the freedom I mean right I for three months and people have helped helped us financially and John's worked but my income from doTERRA has still carried us and I didn't work not even literally like an hour of the last three months in my doTERRA business so I'm super yeah. super thankful for that kind of but it what it's not motivating enough to me to solve the problems that are facing us in doTERRA right now, as far as like, how do you continue to grow and expand and serve, you know, what's next in the market? Because I'm really clear about my leadership everywhere, but it, right. I do really just care the money, how many bottles, just the money, it doesn't motivate yeah. me enough. Right. Because, and because doTERRA grew my skill set so well, like I could use that skill set anywhere. Um, but when I think about how many bottles of pink, because I've said to you, like, I don't really care. I'm not quite sure, but I do really care how many bottles of pink pepper I sell. And I care about how many, um, I mean, the pink pepper story, but I care about how um, eucalyptus and tea tree. And like, I care about local farmers and I care about what's happening in our supply chain. And I'm convinced if we don't continue to expand, one of the things about playing an infinite game, in my opinion, is that if we don't, if it doesn't continue to expand, there's no infinite game. Um, And I don't believe in things being finite, but if we don't continue to um, increase oil users, people who really care about quality and what they're buying and the people aren't getting scammed, like people won't run up to me um, on cruise ships because they see my husband with a doTERRA water bottle and cry about what's happened in the valley where they grew up because doTERRA's transformed it. Like that Mm -hmm. kind of impact, like it almost sounds unbelievable because there's so much greenwashing, but those things matter to me and none of us can cause it individually. We have to cause systemic change systemically. Yeah. There's no way. By participating in the systems. And what I love about it is they don't say, they didn't say, okay, now this is what a real hero looks like. So let's all give him a hand. They didn't have to. They told the story and they brought him on stage and everyone lost their minds because we heard from her and from him directly. Oh, and by the way, I don't know if you remember, but doTERRA paid for his surgery too. Healing Hands paid for the surgery on his leg so that he can walk normally now. I don't know if you remember that. That I element didn't, of the story. <laughs> I, it's just, I mean, 
like I took Peggy, um, my daughter to convention one year with me. And she today was like, she, I mean, like yesterday when we were driving, she's like, I remember some story about some hospital in Africa. And I was like, they opened that hospital in the middle of COVID. And it's, I go, what do you think the number one leading cause of death in Africa, like that would be treated with hospitalization in that part of Africa is? And she's like, I have no idea. And I'm like, women dying in pregnancy. Like, and that, you know, like the, um, and that, that might not be the number one cause of death, but like, that's one of the number one things a hospital can impact is women dying and mm-hmm. in, in pregnancy and children dying in childbirth or like, children dying in childbirth. Yeah. Childbirth. That's what I meant. Not pregnancy, but yeah. And so she was like, she didn't even know that's still a thing. Right. Like she was like, wow. But right. Yeah. That's, that's what I tell people. Like pregnancy is just as dangerous as it always was, but we don't recognize it because like I, I either Riley or me or both would have died um, when she was born without, it, it's very unlikely that we both would have survived there's a possibility that I would have had a seizure that would have caused me to miscarry that yeah. I would have been okay. Um, well, it would have been a stillbirth at that point. Cause I was so far along, but there is no way it, it very, I mean, very, very, very slim chance. And I might still have died. Like I might've had a seizure delivered a stillborn baby and then died. Yeah. Um, or both of us died without delivering her and they would have just buried us as a single unit, you know, one coffin, two for one. Um, And, you know, it's interesting, this is flaking off on something else, but there's a bunch of parents. So we give in the U.S., I don't know where else, but other places in the world, we give every newborn baby a shot of vitamin K. Did you know that? No idea. Um, Yeah, we give them a shot of vitamin K because vitamin K doesn't pass the placenta very well. And it also doesn't go in breast milk really well. So a lot of newborn babies are vitamin K deficient. So we just give them a a shot of vitamin K because vitamin K helps your blood clot. And so um, brain, brain bleeds in babies is a really common cause of infant mortality. Um, And we have almost none of that in the U S because we give the vitamin K shot, but now parents are starting to refuse. Like this is where anti-vax has spread now all the way to vitamins. They refuse Hmm. the vitamin K shot because the risk, I don't know if they even know about the risk. I think some of them just knee jerk reject any shot. But if you look at the numbers, it's like, well, a lot of babies don't really die of brain bleeds in the U S so I don't really need that shot. But the reason they don't (laughs) die of brain bleeds in the U S is because they get the fucking shot. Right. Um, Okay. I'm getting and areas where we're building hospitals where they're, you know, the only hospital in 400 miles, like we're not even to the point where you can stock talk about those kinds of advantages, but right. It is. It's super, it's super cool. And I kind of think that's, I think one of the things that you've touched on so much um, as we've talked, like I tell the story about you and this might be a good place to wrap. So I walked in front of the Salt Palace, which is like the convention center um, in Salt Lake. And there's like vendors outside. And I saw these little fuzzy, um, somebody was selling these little like, uh, it literally looks like a little fuzzy ball with like eyes on it, like a toy. And uh-huh. they're selling them like as an aromatherapy kind of thing. I didn't even look at them. Like I just, it caught my eye. And I was like, I bet that, I, <laughs> I was like, I bet that person's at every single, like, um, oily just, thing. like oily thing. And I thought, and I, when I, as I walked away, I was thinking of you and I was thinking like, that's part of the difference in what you do with oils. It's like, you care so much, um, even though you like don't have like quote a doTERRA business per se like you you know the work you do with oils you care so much about the sourcing and the quality and all those pieces that like 
your part of that story. And like, I, I was like thankful that there's so many ancillary companies that are, you know, I almost could say like fanatical, but we're like incredibly invested in that. Um, it matters that pink pepper wasn't taken off somebody's back, but right. Especially when we start to think about using things energetically. And I learned that from you and just like, it matters, like when we're dealing with children who need some kind of comfort creature, <laughs> um, maybe we could put oils on fat baby, but, um, <laughs> but we, like it matters, like all those pieces that we're just, I think, barely starting to hold as we become so much more integrated with all different parts of the world and stuff. Like it's really important. And I just like loved that about you because I don't, I think I know, like if somebody said to you, like, we love what you do, we love the style of your blends, we love whatever, like we want to, we want you to work for us. And it wasn't, doTERRA if it was and I honestly like it's not even doTERRA because I think if there was a better way to source oils or like whatever either doTERRA would adopt it or doTERRA would be like go obsolete and that's what should happen if that happens but um if you couldn't do what you're doing like I think you'd be like I would rather not make the money you know and I love that about Mm -hmm. you thank you um and I also don't think anybody else would have a better way. I mean, I'm not saying that is not currently, forever, currently it doesn't exist. Right. But no, don't, you know, because companies that don't be- keep evolving and then they should. Yeah. It, it didn't exist before because they basically, em- that I don't have time to tell this one, but a, the main story from last year that I took away was Emily's little hero journey journey. And I don't think they even know what the story they that. were telling. The, I don't yeah. think they even knew what story I they were telling. Think so. I think I think everybody loves Emily. And so they wanted to tell the founding story from her perspective, but it really was a hero's journey story where she went out and looked around and said, what I want doesn't exist. And so I'm going to create it. Um, And that kind of energy is everything that's in the company because they looked at the sourcing model and said, this isn't for us. We're going to make a new one. They didn't even innovate on the old sourcing model, they completely created one from scratch. And the way that they do the co-impact sourcing with the local farmers and everything. And then in the one, the story that you alluded to um, where they saved the distilling business, you know, distilling industry in that one part of um, Bulgaria. Bulgaria. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they realized like this, we have to take, take this industry and recover it because number one, we need it and they're not ready there wasn't enough to bring it back to right. life without a company. Yeah, there was a so couple, they invested. like a long time we didn't have Heli Chrisum. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're doing they invested that. in infrastructure, but around creating a cooperative, not about owning it. I mean, another right. company had basically built some of the distillery and like abandoned it um, right. at some point, like, and the impact. So it's really fascinating. Like I love, so that's where we'll go, like maybe in our next, one of the next podcasts, depending where we're nerding out, like that's a really good launching point. Like you'll yeah. tell the, you tell the Genesis story and then um, we'll go into like what's, cause we've been, I think for four months promising um, or at least three months promising like the um, what's in it for the company right. um, to do business like this. And I think that's a super important for entrepreneurs to start to wrap their head around in small business, because that's. I think who will foster these changes the quickest. Yeah. Um, we have to tell those stories. Go ahead. And I want, I just want to leave one teaser about this reinvention 
not even reinvention, this invention, this creation out of nothing that they're doing around the, the way they do the supply chain. Um, and I just wanted to point to one story because we know, actually two, real quick, we know that there's no such thing as a pure supply chain. That That's not a thing. There's just no way that if you're sourcing any, unless I'm like growing a radish in my backyard made from manure <laughs> of a cow that I own who eats hay, you know, there's just no way. Even but depending where that cow came from. I mean, it gets right, exactly. fast. Right. Um, it kind of like the good place, right? The point system. But um, <laughs> the, the way doTERRA responds. So two stories about how they respond. Number one, they used to make a big deal about the fact that we sourced our frankincense from um, Oman. Ah, Oman. Yeah. And they like, this is where it grows and blah, 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 blah. And then what they found out was the people they were buying it from, from were lying about its origin. And so to figure it out, David and Emily, mom and dad, jump on a freaking plane and fly to Somaliland, even though the State Department told them not to, talk to all the sheiks in the area where it turns out that the frankincense is actually sourced and help them form a cooperative, pay them like four times what they were getting. And now they have environmental scientists who are working in that community. Um, do you remember the convention where they showed us the difference between the trees that are like the trees that are basically being uh, poached and yeah. because this is wildcrafted too. So they're being like raped. They, yeah. Essentially yeah. like raping the land. So our oil up until that point, our frankincense was full of all this toxic shit, but not literally, but like toxic, energetic, like people being right, because what would happen is they would literally say not only what was happening to the trees, which uh, money are thousands of years old, but what happened to, um, was like they would go in and pay a down payment and then they would never pay them again. And that was just what mm-hmm. they, they just got away with it. Like, yeah, because what are you going to do? We're going to sell and then they disappear. Yeah. They had, the way, and there was so know. much corruption, like every good racket. They had to bring in Navy SEAL, you know, yeah, to help form, coordinate form efforts and work with the yeah. Somali government. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're thousands of years old but a lot of them have been passed down generation to generation even though they grow I thought the some forest. of the frankenstein trees were thousands of years old i don't think they grow that old but i could be wrong you can I'm never rely on my random back <laughs> rely on lens <laughs> but we'll look it up Beaver. but um but thousands the point being the point being is they had that exploitation of people in the environment in their supply chain and they didn't know about it and when they found out about it the two of the founders including a woman they were right. in physical danger. There's no way they weren't. And right. got on even just a little crappy plane. They've showed us a million yep. times the picture of Emily sitting, looking so dejected because they couldn't get their plane to start to go home. And they had to stay like another day. And who knows what they did. Right. Like had a cow Crazy jump started. Who knows? But <laughs> the point is like, so I'm certain beyond the shadow of doubt that there's more of that kind of stuff somewhere in our supply chain, but they're committed to instantly get it out. And when they find I it. think doTERRA grew into this company, right? Like they right. didn't they have the ability in the beginning. They were just looking for do these oils exist and how do we find them? But as they had the power, which is why, I mean, I have some amazing environmentalists and people on my team who, it, who tried to kind of do their own thing and then realized like, I have to join the movement um, if I really want to have an impact. And like, that's what you know, like we need good corporations who can have systemic impact making these kinds of things. Like you've said to me, and I love how you say it, like 
doTERRA I'm sure has sex trafficking in its supply chain I mean irrelevant of the millions of dollars they donate and that or at least human, at least give. human trafficking if human not trafficking. trafficking human trafficking right because yeah but um you but there's not any known and that is mm-hmm. really powerful because if you're on the lookout and you're educated and um the shining light on it the less and less it will exist and taking yeah. a stand for like well, like doTERRA would say, can you imagine what would happen if, like, if you told people in doTERRA, like they couldn't get frankincense for a year, like they would literally be like weeping and gnashing of teeth. People would lose their freaking mind. And that's true of a lot of oils, but, but if they would doTERRA do said, we can't continue to offer this with it because we found out that there's exploitation, you know, on human trafficking involved. So we have to pause and reroute. Like they, they would absolutely do that unquestionably. That's what they did. That's what they did with Indian sandalwood because they couldn't source it um, in an environmentally responsible way. And that's why there's no more hoe wood in balance because they yeah. couldn't, or no, sorry, not hoe wood is what we have now, rosewood. There's no more rosewood in bi- balance because they realized we can't source this. And that's why we don't have white fur anymore because they said we can't source this environmentally. Here's Siberian fur instead. And right, and we have some oils you know, we better. get kind of as a treat, like here's what we can source, but we can't mm-hmm. source enough of it so we won't yeah I mean and often those impacts are environmental but I think it's super powerful to start to communicate with your customers and your base like that yeah and so the last story that I'll leave as a teaser because this is more about how they respond so um there's always accusations against all essential oil companies about adulterations and additives and blah 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 so a few years ago um doTERRA reformulated deep blue our, um, our pain one. And doTERRA has always said that the gold standard, the only thing that they stand behind for accuracy is the product information page on the website. So even if you have a bottle of oil in your hand, they say the product information page on the website is correct. The label in your hand may or may not be correct. That's always been their stance. <laughs> so someone took some Okay. Blue. But now I want to know why, like, why do they say that? Because that's the only, because whenever you have something, you want to have only one source of truth. Like anytime you have something that might be audited or whatever, then you say, this is my truth source. This is my, my truth source. Right. We have to have one thing to point to. Also, right. Whenever I'm looking at oil bottle, like whenever I want to buy like rollerballs in bulk or something, and I'm looking on, um, you know, AliExpress or something like I can buy oil bottles that look exactly like doTERRA labeled doTERRA. Like there, I mean, there's no question that there, there are people adulterating their oil. So you have no, to no, but this, have one. Source. That's not even, that's not even, no, no, that's not even the story I'm telling. No, this is irrespective. So you but have a bottle. Saying, like, couldn't those bottles be inaccurate information then? No, so you, that's not you the point. Squirreled, you squirreled into I'm a sorry. different point. So okay. let's say you buy an oil, you buy, this is what actually happened. You buy a bottle of deep blue from doTERRA. You have it in okay. your hand, you know, for sure. Emily handed it to you and you have, okay. and it's labeled. Even then, doTERRA says, our source of truth is the product information page. So this is what happened. Deep Blue, they reformulated Deep Blue. They added Ylang Ylang to it. They updated the product information page. And at some point somewhere, some old labels got through. And so there were bottles of Deep Blue that didn't say that they had Ylang Ylang in them. An independent auditor tested it and said, okay, this is, doesn't have any adulterations, but it does have Ylang Ylang and Ylang Ylang's not on the label. They went to doTERRA and rather than trying to defend themselves, doTERRA went, 
oh my goodness, we apologize. I want to remind everyone that the product information page is our source of truth, but this is unacceptable. And then they audited the whole, they went back and launched an investigation. How did those old labels get through? They audited their whole process and then they added additional quality control to the label creation process to make sure that didn't happen again. It's their response to it that is so impressive to me. They didn't try to defend themselves. I didn't even know that story. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't even like, and and I've heard people go, well, doTERRA, I'm like, listen, somebody grabbed a box of old labels is basically what happened. Like it didn't used to have ylang ylang, now it does. Someone accidentally sent some old labels into the batcher. That is the extent of what happened, a mistake. And right. also like doTERRA is like, yeah, we said on the product information page, this has ylang ylang in it. We weren't trying to hide it. Someone grabbed an old batch of oils, but again, they didn't try to defend themselves. They clarified position and then they audited and added new quality controls to make sure that didn't happen again. And I love thinking about that lack of defensiveness. Like that's what you were saying about the, um, the zoom guy, like the zoom guy and it, the, the lack of, def- like, I would have been like, I really have to say, like, even though I think I'm not a terrible leader, like I would have been like, Hey, assholes like you're getting this whole thing for free and nobody told us we were going to be tapped for this responsibility yeah, right now yeah. <laughs> but instead yeah. just abject humility and like we got you like it is mm-hmm. it is really something you know like to admire and foster and look to how do companies respond in those situations yeah and I'm telling you those kinds of stories are what make me so loyal to doTERRA. I would never touch an oil from another company, never. There's oils we don't have that other companies have. Too bad, those aren't available to me. Because even if they're purity, you would get an oil that we don't have from some other company? No, you wouldn't. I don't know. I feel like I might be walking in India in the jasmine fields or something and somebody might give me jasmine and I might want it. That's not what I'm talking about. But yes, I would off a store shelf never. And I go to play, sometimes I'll get a massage and they won't, like, that's one of my first things. Like, will you use my oils or, um, or I want no oils. I mean, please don't put something else on me. So yeah. Yeah, I'm the same way. And even if I knew it was 100% pure, the business practice of doTERRA is like, there's purity there too. And that they work to clean it. Because when you participate in a global economy, somewhere there's something shitty that's happening in your supply chain. You can't avoid it, but they're taking the stand of, we'll take it out anywhere we can. Yeah. All right. So I that's think the we should for the wrap, business and practice awesome. next time. And I'm not even going to tell a weird or funny story at the end because I already got to tell my diamond story. Yeah, you told it at the beginning. A diamond yeah. talking about a diamond. Oh, right before convention. Oh, that's Aww. so sweet. I used to make fun of people who are like, I mean, the first convention I went to, people, you know, I was like, ooh, that person's elite, that person's this, that, ooh, and those are diamonds. Like, I thought that was like the stupidest. I still think it's kind of stupid. But now I like, I mean, I have like little diamonds on my shelf, you know, like it represents like a forging of something in me that it took to grow to that point. But um, I do still, I still think it's fair to, to make fun of everybody a little. I mean, if Elise can, could make fun of Bergamot at her first convention by banging on the table, (laughs) then I think it'd be okay. I mean, okay. So I'll tell the weird random story. So there are definitely people in the doTERRA community. I love them dearly who are completely off their fucking rockers about doTERRA stuff. (laughs) So we, one year for Christmas, we had dryer balls. And they sold out immediately. And this is so before funny. you could get them on Amazon, really. Like, 
No, it was it hard. Was it was pretty hard mm -hmm. to get dryer balls nope. at that point in time. It was I not. never even used them. It okay. was not. It was very easy to get them. But what you couldn't get was a little bag that had the DoTerra logo on it to hold your dryer balls. <laughs> they didn't even so, say um, DoTerra. On they just the had the O, right? On the so bag. every year, every year in the Christmas catalog, there's something that everyone loses their mind about. And it sells out immediately. And there's no way to predict it. It's always something weird and random. So that year it was dryer balls. And there was a lot of bad feelings. You know, people were grumbling. Like, <laughs> why did I get, get my dryer balls? Yeah, why did I get dryer balls? So that year was a year. After that Christmas, the following March, Eric came with me to leadership retreat, which is a much smaller affair than convention. Right. Um, like it's more like a 7,000 people. Yeah. And like you're sitting in. So you're sitting. It's important to this story that you're sitting in basically the chairs that a hotel puts in their conference room. Or if you're at a hotel banquet or something like that, those kind of chairs. Right. So we're sitting kind of in the back. So there's maybe, I don't know, 20 rows of people and we're sitting kind of in the back and they announce from the stage that they're going to give away some prizes. And one of the prizes that they're giving away is dryer balls. And I turned to Eric and I said, I'm so <laughs> glad that you're here because I want you to look right there and two rows in front of us. So keep in mind, like 18 rows back, however far we were back, there's a woman standing on one of those chairs, waving her arms back Screaming. and forth in the yeah. air because she wanted those dryer balls. I'm like, you are so insane. Bad. Like, I'm getting up my deep blue for when you fall and break your ankle while we wait for the ambulance to come. <laughs> but I did tell Eric, I'm like, see, now you're getting a firsthand look of how, and I will admit that when they announced the original deodorant, which turned out to be disgusting, I was one of the people giving a standing ovation. Like a deodorant really got a so it smelled like happy. Yeah. They're like, woohoo. I'm one of the people that's participating in giving a standing ovation to deodorant. I admit it. I did not stand on a chair and wave my arms back and forth. But then I was also the first one to say, this is gross and it smells like cat pee. And when people would ask me about it, I'm like, don't use it. It's disgusting. And yeah, it was, no, they reformulated they it because it. it was so yeah, it was gross. Bad. And it also ruined <laughs> all my clothes. It was really waxy. But yeah. There's so, not a lot of fails, but that was a doTERRA fail for sure. Yeah. So I am very dedicated, but like on the scale, it's like what I said about when I go to school of the prophets, I love it because on the weirdness scale, I go from a seven to a four just by walking in the door. Um, so in my community, I might seem like a rabid doTERRA fan, but at convention, I go from a seven to a four. You're mild. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like mild salsa versus ghost pepper <laughs> waving my arms back and forth standing on a chair for freaking dryer balls dryer balls it's true they don't even cost 20 dollars. and and they didn't have any scent or anything they were just plain dryer balls and you had to add it's your true. own oils to them so absurd i've gone from since i started using dryer balls i have gone from being complete i don't care where the socks went i can't i want to know where the freaking dryer balls went they're the size of a baseball where do they i know go? and they end up they end up inside pant legs and and inside the pockets of fitted sheets. Yeah, they they are slippery. Doubles. I only I got six, and a year later I have three. I don't know where they went. I have no idea. We moved. We found a diamond on the floor, and I can't find my dryer balls. They're probably folded in the pant leg of one of Josie's pants down at the bottom of the drawer. <laughs> so like in her big. hoodie, in the pocket yeah, of her hoodie. In a hoodie, yeah, that's fine. True. They get all right. Pant legs. Okay, that's where we're gonna wrap, and yep. we will see you next time almost certainly raving about what we learned at convention in the ladies room in the ladies room <laughs> thanks for joining us be sure to subscribe to catch us in the ladies room you can also find lynn at a spacious life on facebook instagram and in clubhouse 
And find Allie at 5 Billion Entrepreneurs on LinkedIn and Instagram. Thank you.